bad. Apparently. Hello, nerds, and welcome to another episode of Nerd Herder. Welcome to a very cold episode another of main Nerd show. I'm your herd leader, John Wayne. And I'm your very cold herd bomb, Megan. Apparently. And uh, today we're doing something yet again different. I feel like different is the theme of season six. Um, and hopefully some of that will carry over to season seven, depending on how much you love and or hate this. Um, but, you know, I mean, you never know until you try. Exactly. And so we're trying and we're doing things that seem cool and interesting and yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't really have anything else to say about that. <laughs> But um, no, we are, we, we talked about, if you remember at the beginning of September, we talked about um, the Fett family lore, the legends of Boba Fett and Jango Fett and everything, because um, while there's some to talk about uh, of Jango in canon, um, there's uh, less than that to talk about about Boba Fett in canon. Um and so we wanted to lean more towards the legends because, number one, that's what I really love about the characters. That's what built those characters up for me. Yeah. And I felt like maybe some people didn't know some things about those characters. If you, if you can pick a theme about some of the things we're doing lately, it's a lot about, hey, maybe nobody's heard of this or maybe nobody's thought of this or maybe nobody, you know, just different things. Yeah. Um, so we spent a lot of time talking about the Fets. Um, as many people do, people love the Fets. Um, some don't, and that's fine. We don't, we don't hate you. Um, you know, we'll still invite you to the parties and everything. We just won't talk to you. Exactly. Um, you know, it's like that one kid that you know that doesn't go to church and just like, yeah, don't, just don't, don't talk. You can talk to them, but don't talk to them. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm just wow. kidding. Wow. Um, you better be kidding. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. No, but, um, I completely understand, it. and we we talk a little bit about that. Go if you if you didn't check it out, go check it out. Uh, it does a better job, but I mean, we talk about that. I get why some people don't like Boba Fett. I I get why people some think I don't have enough reason to like Boba Fett other than he's cool, but he is cool and everything. Yeah. Um, and so we talked about that. We talked about we spent the rest of the month talking about the Mandalorian, another bounty hunter, another famous face, but again, another T visor, um, another familiar look and everything like like only the the mandalorian helmet wearing guys get all the bounty love and attention and everything like that it seems like they get all the uh girls and all the guys and all the in-between aliens and you know yeah all the friends yeah uh friends too um so we wanted to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit and talk about the lesser loved or lesser highlighted characters. Some mm -hmm. of these characters get attention because they're around Boba Fett. Some of these characters get attention because they are genuinely nice and some people like them. But mostly people know of them but don't really. Yeah, you see like two seconds of them in Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> and then you never know their name until someone releases either a figure or a book. Right. Um, you know, I think we take for granted now... Uh, some of the bounty hunter characters because they're a little bit more household names. Yeah. Even if just for the sake of knowing who they are on screen, but that doesn't necessarily translate to them being many people's favorites. Um, and so we wanted to spend some time talking about those lesser than bounty hunters, the other ones. Um, the other guys. We, we've done this way back when, uh, when we, when the uh, smuggler, not smuggler, uh, the scum and villainy book came out. We made sure to highlight these characters, as the book does, 
and whatnot. But um, this is a very different way of doing that because this, much like the Boba Fett episode, is going to be all Legends focused. Yes. So, I... oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so from here on out, just to make sure people understand, we're not referring to anything canon, although we would hope you like it anyway, although some of it doesn't kind of work in canon, but you, no, can, still, a lot of it doesn't. you can still like it. So everything we're using as source material for today is uh, Legends, but it's awesome. Specifically, Tales from the Bounty Hunter. That was edited by Kevin J. Anderson. It's written by many different people. <laughs> yeah. Um, we talked about this one on the Fett uh, one because Boba yeah. Fett has a story in this book. We're not going to talk much about it, although I will read a part of it uh, for the ending of today's episode. Um but we wanted to move away from giving him any attention. Um, my favorite character. We wanted to move away from giving him some attention for yeah. the sake of others getting attention. Because every other bounty hunter in this book is also super duper freaking interesting. Right. And so unloved by so many people. And I don't think it's inten- intentional. But I think a lot of people just don't don't give anybody that's not Boba Fett or not a bucket wearing man a chance. Um, I don't know. I mean... It's to the point that most people are only discovering, like, IG-11 now, and it's just like, you know he had a twin in episode 5, right? Like, yeah. techn- like th- there's other folks out there, and, and, and I think some people are getting opened up to a new world. I think some people knew it was there, but never really paid much attention. And so, um, I can't remember if it was you that kind of suggested this, or where this came from, the idea. I think I suggested it. Probably. Although, I have such a bad memory. You could tell me that something was your idea, and, me, and I'd be like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> totally. Um, so, did you want to introduce how we'll do this episode a little bit, then? Sure. That's your idea. I don't want to appropriate it. Thank you for not yeah. appropriating my idea. <laughs> not welcome. all men, guys. Not <laughs> all men. <laughs> yeah, when I, so, when I say not all men, I mean you specifically. You and Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill would never. I don't know. I've been seeing a lot of him on Twitter lately. <laughs> oh, yeah, a lot for some reason. I don't know. I engaged enough to say that he deserves to keep his mustache forever. Like, yes. what? Like, can you imagine just what if they had rolled with it for Justice League? Right? What if they had just been like, no, nah, dog. Superman have a mustache? Oh, my gosh. It would have been amazing. It, it really would have been. All of his roles should include a mustache. I was recently, I rewatched um, the latest Mission Impossible with him in it recently because I was home alone. And working on stuff. And I was just like, somebody reminded me of it in conversation. It might have even been on Twitter or something. And I was just like, you know what? Mission You know what? (laughs) Yes. Because that fight scene in the bathroom with him and Tom Cruise and that one guy. Which is the only scene I've seen from that movie. Oh my. The whole movie is amazing. I tell people all the time. Like, um, we will talk about it at some point. I love those movies. But I've never seen those movies. It's such an adventure to track between the beginnings of early 90s Mission Impossible. Yep, 1996. Like third film of his career, third major film of his career, Tom Cruise, uh, to now. Do you know what the first major film of his career to- was? Tom, Toby Maguire, to- to- Maguire, to- what? <laughs> the socks and Jerry underwear Maguire? one. Yeah. No. Really? The first major film that he was in was The Outsiders. Was he one of the goons, like, background, like, nope. or something? Like, was he important? He was important. What? He's one of the, he's one of the greasers. Really? That was before he had dental work done. Wow. And really? so, like, he has janked teeth. Interesting. I, like, it took me forever to realize that it was uh, Ralph Macchio in that, uh, yeah, man. actually. It's Ralph Macchio. It's, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? 
Patrick Swayze. It's Patrick Swayze. Knock off Kevin Bacon. It's Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to I add to the conversation. I love that movie so much. I know. You love the book. I love the book um, so much. You should see my copy of the book. So anyway, I, that has nothing to do with today's Absolutely episode. I wanted not. to go back to that conversation, but we don't need to because it's yeah. got nothing to do. So never mind. Go on. Okay. Continue. So. Um, After you. The idea is. Please go. I'm trying. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I'm All trying right. so hard. Um, but in the end. <laughs> go stick your head in the toilet. Okay. Um, so basically, what we're going to be doing is we are going to be reading passages from this lovely book here. If you are not on the audio, or if you're listening through the audio, I'm holding in my hands a book. Yeah, my book. The good book. Old book. One of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Tales from the Bounty Hunter, as I said. Uh, we both kind of picked a couple of different excerpts for every character that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. And we're going to be reading a little bit at the beginning of their story and in the middle of their story, I guess? Um. Well, we wanted to kind of, I, I suggested kind of, because there's so much to tell, like, it, it, there's not a lot, it's not like a lot of um, anthology where they try and fit a lot of stories in. Um, it's uh, actually... A pretty normal sized book but all of them get very long stories because it's only five it's ig88 bosk dengar forlum and zuckus they get theirs together of course and then boba fett so five um because it's only five in a very traditionally linked novel i think each one gets almost like 20 pages or something like it's 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 a beefy story for each one and so wanting to highlight uh you know here's what you need to know first and foremost, of the character from an excerpt, and then also something more interesting later in the story that yeah. kind of, now that you know who they are, here's here's their most character moment in everything. Um, yeah. For the first one, IG-88, this is my favorite one in the book. And yeah, this is well, the story that made me love Star Wars. Yes. Um, I was going to say, that's why this is, like, super significant. Um, because, you know, I mean, we've kind of talked about it before, and mm-hmm. you can... Go check out way back when we did an interview with um, the Living Force podcast with the guys over at Utini uh, and talked about it um, and whatnot. But, like, you were very, you watched the movies, you you liked the movies, I'd say. Um, I don't think you were, like, extreme on anything from the movies and and whatnot. I barely knew character names. Right. Um, But then, you know, you put up with it a lot with me. And until you found your thing, and that started, and um, it was deep sci-fi. Eric, is what brought on, me in. yeah, Eric on Twitter recently reminded me of the because we started it with the Utini thing because they brought that like find your IG eighty eight, like find the thing that you love that makes you love Star Wars, and that IG eighty eight was, was that first, exactly, and then Clone Wars and specific characters from there on, and then it's just like this rabbit hole. You're opened up to this whole new world because you found your one thing. Exactly. And um, that's part of why, like, we tirelessly tell people, like, check out these stories, read these things, look into stuff, because you might find something that all of 99 other things didn't interest you, but one did. Mm-hmm. That makes the 100 worth it. Yeah, um, and revisit things that you didn't like before. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I talked about it recently. I hated, I, well, that's strong. I mean, I, I was generally meh on the Pirates movies, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. I watched, like, part of the first one and basically judged everything afterwards by that. And I just, yeah. I didn't like it. 
I didn't like Johnny Depp because of it, actually. Like, I just, I let it dominate a lot of opinion about me. And then recently I couldn't sleep one night and I put it on because they're all on Disney Plus. And lo and behold, I freaking love those movies. <laughs> yep. They're amazing. Um, I have a lot to appreciate. ILM worked on them. Like, mm-hmm. there's so much. And, like, I, I, I love that. And it, it's one of those things that it was, oh, my gosh, like, I want to say, like, 13, 15 years. I can't, I don't remember when the first Pirates came out, but it was a while ago. I remember because I, st- I was yeah. a kid in Savannah. I remember going to see it with my family. Yeah, like, so forever ago, I've lived these years and hated these movies for no good reason. I was nope. an idiot. And so sometimes you, you realize that when you go back and give something a second chance. Yeah. Other t- uh, otherwise, you just figure out, no, nah, I was right. And are you, are you even more excited to go on the Pirates ride when we go back to Disney? I love that completely independent yeah. of it. Because what I loved about Pirates at Disney was it's, it's so disconnected. It's not Yeah, it's it's not the movies. like. But I love that the basis of that went into the movies. Like, oh, yeah. I can appreciate that more now. So definitely give things another chance. Give a lot of things chances. You might, you might find... Your next favorite character. Um, I don't know why we decided to read from it, but we did. It's Um, a good book. And so, yeah, so we'll read excerpts, talk a little bit about it, and, um, yeah, just go from there and and have a good time with with that, hopefully. We don't know what's going to happen, really. Yeah. Until we do it, because this is completely new, so. um, Let's find it out together. Yes, if you want to start us off there. All right. I am reading from IG88 Story. I forget the title of this one. I think Therefore I Am. Yeah. Therefore I Am, the tale of IG-88. There you go. Now he knew who he was and why he was here in this laboratory. He and his identical counterparts had been built to serve the Empire, to fight and kill, to seek out and destroy the targets selected by Imperial Masters. IG-88's assassin programming was strong and complete... compelling. That's the word. But... He was less than pleased that he must follow orders from these Imperial biological beings. He was a special kind of droid beyond the capabilities of other machines. Superior. I think, therefore, I am. Mm. Rene Descartes. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, what was it about this story, really, that made you like IG-88 so much? So, we've talked before about my love of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I, I love weird deep sci-fi and one of my favorite sci-fi stories is i have no mouth but i must scream mm-hmm. which is which is where this comes from mm-hmm. right it's it's based on that story mm-hmm. and that first line of there's a video game think, about that isn't there yes yeah yeah i think therefore i am which if you you've heard it before but if you don't know it's oh, from yeah. a philosopher Rene descartes mm-hmm. the essence of being Um, a human and intelligent and sentient is thought, basically. That is boiled down to its barest, because I'm not a philosopher. I'm not French. Which is kind of interesting compared to Qui-Gon's line in episode one to Jar Jar of the ability to speak does not make one intelligent, because Mm -hmm. it's almost this thing. So it's just like, are you brainless? And it's like, I can speak. Mm, That doesn't mean anything. You know, going deeper than that, can you think? Can you... Can you critically analyze? Can you can, can you, you understand? Ooh, that's a big one. Um, and I think that's the compelling thing of IG-88's character from here is not to emphasize too much on the word, but like he says, I think. Like he's mm-hmm. he's processing. He's trying to understand like what's going on around him as it's all happening. 
And yeah. I think that's when he makes the decision of, like, general inferiority around him. Yeah, and that's something that I love about the character characterized in this story. He hates everything. Exactly. No, <laughs> no that is I, yeah, it. Right. He hates so deeply the process that he has been put through up until this point. Like, mm-hmm. he has been programmed to kill. Mm-hmm. He has been programmed to carry out orders by the Empire. In the first five seconds of his sentience, he has time to think, you know, I don't think I want to do that. Not, <laughs> like, not for someone else. Yeah, he, he wants his own Exactly. Stuff. He is still in the metal clamps holding him to whatever he's on, the slab or whatever, mm-hmm. when he has the thought of, you know what? No. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's another great line in the story where he is looking at his creator and she is screaming. And he's like, well, something must be wrong. But it can't be me. I am going far beyond their expectations. Right. That's a I'm, good thing. I'm, do- I'm doing what you programmed. Like, I'm doing exactly. it better than you programmed, even. He is, like, the exact opposite of the robot from um, iRobot. Mm-hmm. Your favorite uh, Outer Limits episode? Oh, um... I want to say Sam, but I could be I could be wrong. Something like that. I haven't rewatched it. I rewatched it uh, maybe sometime last year. Yeah, we watched um, it together. Yeah, uh, I, anytime I get a chance, I show people that uh, it's my favorite Outer Limits episode ever. Um, it it's doesn't. Such a good it episode. doesn't matter if it's the uh, original '60s version or the more recent like uh, '90s version. But Outer Limits is a very Twilight Zone, and I'll yeah. say that because most people know what I mean when I say Twilight Zone in terms of your episode is your story. Yeah. Hey, consider if you will, you know. Think um, of a world. And it's that. It's the setup of what if a, and what if a robot could think? Mm-hmm. What if a robot, well, like what, what doors does that open up? And, yeah. you know, uh, humans basically deem... Well, you know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Because you gotta go watch it. You gotta watch it, and you know what? Maybe we'll do an episode about it because I freaking love that episode, we and should... I could talk an hour about that. <laughs> we'll do your favorite episode, of The Outer Limits. We'll do my favorite episode, of Twilight Zone. There you go. I like There's it. There's something on the way. Oh gosh. Something. I thought you were gonna pick the one about the um, beautiful faced lady. That one I too. I love that one. That one is really good. Anyway, so um, yes, he's the opposite of. Yes. Thinking and making right choices. I yeah. mean, he, it, it's very interesting. And, I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of science that could be done to understand how, like, an AI could process yeah. that way and everything. But, I mean, he goes rampant. And then the thing a lot of people don't realize and what this story goes into, so it starts with his creation. And go, that's the thing is many of these stories travel time. Yeah. Like they go over a long period. So it goes from his creation to getting hired and to the very end, which I'm sure you're going to reference. Oh, I am 100% going to talk about it. But in between, a lot of people don't realize there were more than one IG-88. And yes. we're not talking about like diff, like we're not talking about IG-88, IG-89, IG-90. Um, like IG-88 yeah. is his number. He transferred his consciousness into four other droids. Yep, so the original is A, mm-hmm. then B, then C, then D. The, the droid that most people are familiar with that's on the executor that goes after Han Solo is B. Um, he's the one lying in a scrap pile on Bespin. Uh, exactly. If you m- missed Watch Mojo's Easter egg list and didn't know that was a thing, there, there's one humped up in the uh, corner, and... Boba Fett killed him. Like, yeah. 
He got there first and killed him. Um, because nobody else knew. Right. They um, thought that there was just the one. Exactly. And that was the whole point. Yeah. Um, while IG-88, like, while the main one, like, while A was doing all the scheming and everything. Yeah, he was rubbing his tiny hands together <laughs> right. in the um, evil pyramid of doom. <laughs> um, B was earning credits and gaining information and everything. Yeah, if he you've was ever played, earning um, clout. Yeah, if you've ever played the um, Shadows of the Empire game, I think is what it is, um, Dash Rendar fights IG-88, uh, but it's actually IG-88-C. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, it's really, really... Yeah. It's really interesting, the the story built, because he has this galaxy-dominating scheme. He's a bounty hunter, so you think, you know, that's the whole thing. He makes you think, what, a a bounty hunter droid trying to take over the galaxy? No way, that's stupid. Like, how could he possibly? That's what he wants you to think. Exactly. His entire scheme in this story is, well... All living things must die. I'm going to take over the universe, and while I do that, I'm going to transfer my consciousness into every droid I come into contact with so that they understand and, like, and we have a hive mind. Right. Star Wars Skynet. This is the Borg. Right. Like, this is legit the Borg. Um, and it just... I'm, I I don't want to give too much away because I want people to read this story. Oh, Okay. I'm going to talk about the end, because okay. that is, like, the most... I was going to say, because I, I talk uh, about it good details, so... Dramatic irony that I love so much mm-hmm. in sci-fi and any story I've ever read mm-hmm. is just, like, your hubris. Right. <laughs> that is your downfall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's... This entire story is him transferring his consciousness, going and majoring in the minutia of his plan... Getting to a point where he can do something big. Mm-hmm. Like, he can, like, take over something huge so that he can take over the world and kill as many um, right. organics as he yeah, can. Yeah, he, like, he's got to move quick and, sh- like, hard. He's got to move powerfully. Yeah. Like, if he couldn't just kill everyone. Like, he and his form could not kill everyone. And so, he takes over what is quite possibly the largest droid in the galaxy. Essentially, I mean, yeah. and if you loosen the term a little bit, yeah. It's technically a droid, all right? I mean, I guess if it has a CPU brain, sure. I'm going to call it a droid. He takes over the Death Star. Death Star 2, Tec- specifically. Death Star 2. So again, this takes over place over time. So all of these things are happening, and eventually, yeah, he, he gets to the Battle of Endor. Uh, like, it, it it's those behind-the-scenes things. Yep. Um, that make the, yeah. the universe so big and wonderful. And here's the important thing. He takes over the Death Star 2, and he deactivates the other IG-8s. Mm-hmm. Like, he is the last one standing. This is A. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to my next quote from the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, he is in the central computer mm-hmm. of the Death Star 2. The Death Star 2 is IG-88. Exactly. He has taken over everything from the largest... Um, operations of the gun to the smallest operations of the doors <laughs> okay <laughs> okay let me let me get to it from his hiding place in the death star's brain ig88 took particular pleasure in spying on this despicable shriveled human who seemed to think that he had invincible power everyone treated the emperor as if he was supremely important much to ig88's amusement 
as the entire Imperial fleet arrived, waiting in an ambush for the, the, an expected rebel attack, IG-88 watched the Emperor plotting and scheming, trying to outthink the rebels, outmaneuver them. Palpatine believed that he was so smart, so superior, that IG-88 had no choice but to briefly demonstrate the man's impotence in the grand scheme. So basically, okay. <laughs> IG-88 takes controls of the doors to the throne room. <laughs> uh-huh. And he just shuts them and then opens them and then shuts them for like five minutes in front of Palpatine. <laughs> Interesting. And then, you know, he calls over stormtroopers to be like, open this door. <laughs> and they can't get it to work. Right. So finally, IG-88 gets bored and he's like, man, nah, you can go. And so that's just a little bit of a story that I love so much. Mm-hmm. And then after that, of course, you know, Rebels attack. Yeah, the story stays the same. Like, the Death Star gets blown yeah. up. And in his last moments, he has this monologue of, look at me. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at how superior I am. Mm-hmm. Just completely destroyed. Right. And that is the most hilarious ending to a story about a killer robot I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Like that when I first read that because because I you can't laughed. calculate for that exactly like how do you h- how you can't like that's the like, thing that's that you can't um, factor in hope and luck and that the underdog will win like you exactly all the calculations say no it's the underdog so it, there's a reason it's called that it's not going to win exactly um, yeah it's it's really cool it takes a, a very static character to a whole different level. Um, and by and large, some of yeah. some of it can still exist. That's what's the cool part. Yeah. So, oh, I forgot. Um, there, the full quote at the end of the book is, "I think, therefore, I am. I destroy, therefore, I must endure." Mm-hmm. Which is just. Oh yeah, very so metal. Good. Yeah. It's metal. Oh ah, yeah. Metal. I love it. Um, that's the thing. Yeah, IG88 is a great murder robot character. Oh yeah. For sure. Um, the one little bit we get of him, in, well, he cut. She shows up in a couple of Forces of Destiny episodes and um, whatnot, but in the main major piece we get in an Age of Rebellion comic, um, they really show that same kind of just, oh, no, you can't. I, yeah. I am superior. I am the best. They're, like He just really goes on rampage, but he yes. also uses it as an example of, this is why I'm better. Yeah, he gets dismantled. Yeah, and then purposely. pulls himself yeah, he, back together. He, he, he came up with a scenario like, of this is how it work, and guess what? It was for hardly anything. Like yeah. he didn't he didn't do it for the credits. He did it for just the sake of loving murder. Like exactly. I love that. I I love the character of Triple Zero because mm-hmm. he's a fun murder bot. Like he's so he's man, flamboyant. Yeah, like maniac. Like he's very. Uh, exuberant. He he delights in it in like very high fashion yeah. and everything. I'd say Triple Zero is a Bond villain. Yes. Um, IG-88 is a Kubrick villain. Uh, yeah. I mean that can work. I was gonna say he's very. Um, I don't. I don't know exactly what I was thinking, but not that. But that. I mean that. Yeah. yeah. He, it's just very much just not just cause yeah. I'm bad. Because, like, he reminds me of characters like Hal from 2001 Space Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. And also, oh, gosh, what's his name? The lead Droog from uh, Clockwork Orange. Um, Malcolm McDowell? Malcolm McDowell, yes. <laughs> but his character's Chancellor Valorum? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's Chancellor Valorum. But anyway. it's not, though. 
Is that Malcolm McDowell, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes, ma'am. Yes, it is. Chancellor, sure? Chancellor Valorum is the butler from Haunted Mansion, which That's is... That's not Malcolm McDowell. Isn't it? No. Who's Malcolm McDowell? Malcolm McDowell is, uh... Oh, gosh. He's, uh, your favorite doctor, um... What's his face from Halloween? Are you sure? Yeah. That's Malcolm McDowell, babe. Interesting. No, I don't think so. Yeah. But okay. <laughs> Welcome to conversations and arguments. We'll with find out. Nerd herder. We'll find out. We'll find out in the break is what we'll do. We don't have a break. I will make it. <laughs> um, so you have our next story as well. I do. It's about the the mummy. It's about the mummy Dengar. So it'd be the third one, I think, yeah. Yeah. Dingar jumped up and hurried down the mountain trail, watching in the dark, careful not to snap a branch or dislodge a rock. He ran with long strides and incredible swiftness. The Empire had enhanced him physically, designed him for great deeds. Dingar was much stronger than the other men, faster. He saw better, heard much that was inaudible to men with lesser ears, and he felt almost nothing. Little pain, little fear, no guilt, no love. Mm. Sad boy Mm. Dengar. (laughs) Yeah, so one reoccurring theme of these stories is they try to take information given in the context of the one scene we're given and build on it. Yeah. Um, So in the first one with IGADA, it's a lot of, hey, he's not moving much. That's just a stupid prop. That's Mm -hmm. why. But... In universe, it's because he doesn't care. Yeah. Like, he processes so fast that he's got all the information he needs. He, he all, all he needs is the job. So the rest of the time is just spent just looking down on humans. It's like that, uh, the, the, the movie Clockstoppers? No idea what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> so Superman from Smallville gets a hold of a time-stopping watch that can stop time. Yeah. Well, no, so it's just because he's because he's a computer, he processes faster. Um, so yeah. it's literally just a matter of, for him, things, like, he has to slow down to keep up with humans. Mm-hmm. Also, I swear there's someone out there who's seen that movie. I doubt it, but okay. Proven um, wrong. With this one, you know, you've got a guy who looks kind of rough and gruff. and He looks like a mummy. I mean, he, he's got a gun, so yeah, he could be intimidating. <laughs> but overall, it's just very, we got to make him seem like something you know he like of all the characters like he's got he's got some ground to make up yeah. in terms of coolness why is he wearing a turban right so um the idea going in that he's kind of this super soldier um also explaining wait isn't he wearing snowtrooper armor what if what if he's kind of got an imperial backstory like they work in these things that all of a sudden make him like yeah he's that guy that looks like he's not a lot of trouble but you still don't want to mess with because yeah. turns out somebody in the bar has got a story about, you know, don't, don't mess with Gengar. Gengar. Uh, Gengar. Don't mess Gengar. with Gengar. Um, Gengar. Uh, so, yeah, so the, and that, that comes up a couple of times um, with the character of Dengar and everything. Um, also, what's interesting is that with Dengar's, it subverts expectations in that he's not really that, like, bloodthirsty and no. malicious he's not. in like, his pursuits. He starts off with, like, a story about... I'm gonna kill this guy. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got the job. He's going after Han and everything. But then, like, all these other things catch him and get in his yeah. way in terms of like he stop like he stops to help a lot. Like, mm-hmm. not necessarily help old ladies across the street, but like 
selfishly helping in a way. Yeah. Like he's, he frees some, um, I think like slave dancers or like yeah, or um, something. There was an evil politician who was kidnapping little young women. Right. And, and so he frees the women that he and had he, kidnapped. And he meets one that he really, like not young, they're, she's yes. consensual age. Yes, they're legal. <laughs> but um, yeah, and like they hit it off and everything and it's just very cute. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like if I can, I don't know if you what what your second I don't know what you picked and you don't know what I picked. So exactly. it's interesting, but um like Boba Fett's his best man at their wedding. Yeah. Years later. Yeah. And part of it's because he Boba Fett owes him. Um because, Boba Fett owes everybody in these stories. <laughs> so Boba Fett like if like Legends Boba Fett everybody hated him. Nobody was his friend. Nobody liked him. It like what Clone Wars did to make him kind of a team player kind of a you know, go get him leader kind of, no, that wasn't there. Um, yeah, he had honor, but if anything, that's what made people hate him more. Mm-hmm. Like, he's good at his job. He's so freaking pious about it. Like, I only hate him because he's just better than me. Like, it's just yeah. a lot of that attitude. Um, and so Dingar's no different. He doesn't like him. He actually has a scuffle with Boba, but um, when he finds out that Han was seen near Jabba's palace, he goes to investigate. And finds out, well, dang, Jabba's dead. His sail barge blew up. And what's that crawling out of the pit in the ground? <laughs> it's Boba Fett. And he rescues him and nurses him to help. And it's just like, would you like a turban like me? Like, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, like, that's one of the original um, survival stories of Boba Fett from the Sarlacc was, one this is many. one of the earliest ones, actually, of did he die there? Did he not? How? Um, and so they become best buds, and it's just adorable, kind of. It is. Um, like, I love character development in that way. Like, give me enemies to friends all all day, every day. I do love what they did with him in Clone Wars with uh, Simon Pegg playing, and he's just yes. this ridiculously stupid awesome. So inept. I, I just love it. So I, I do kind of like the canon one of, he's like, he's that way because he's just so dang stupid and reckless. Yeah. But, um... No, Legends did some good for Dingar's character. He, yeah. he, he, he was very interesting. Um, Legends tried to make everybody interesting. Yeah. Every, nobody wanted to write stupid characters. Um, Which sometimes those are my well, favorite characters. I was going to say, sometimes that does happen. But Hondo. when people get a chance, like, they wanted to make the stupidest seeming character the most important. Mm-hmm. Like, they wanted to give everybody some ridiculous story that made them seem like they mattered. And I like that. I, I like that aspect of yeah. legends and, and just Star Wars storytelling in general. Everybody's got a story, and in their own way, everybody's important. Yeah. Uh, I've traveled all throughout the galaxy, and I've never met anyone who didn't matter. Exactly. The so, doctor. What was your next? Uh, uh-huh. Did you have your other one? I did. It's very small. and I love that you picked short <laughs> ones. Yeah. And I feel bad yeah. now. Uh, you should. I can't read. <laughs> Yet, Dingar had always chosen his victims, carving harvesting only those he felt deserved to die. Inevitably, Manaru voiced the question, and why is it that Han Solo deserves to die? Dingar was forced to admit, I'm not sure he does, but he almost killed me once. I want to catch him, force him to tell me why he did it, and then I'll decide whether or not to let him live. See, and that's another thing, is it makes him moralistic. It makes, like, it tries to explain why these guys are doing what they're doing. Are they all just bad to the bone? Or are, is there something else there? I feel like there's a lot of people I would love to just grab and shake and be like, why did you do that? <laughs> I, I can understand that completely. Right. Because, like, 
We don't get the story of how Han Solo just killed him, but I'm sure we'll find it somewhere. Right. Um, so, yeah, I picked a little bit longer, and I feel bad about that now. Don't feel bad at all. <laughs> um, See, if I had, I had picked what I originally wanted to, I would have read the entire AG-88 right. story. Uh, so, so, yeah, just bear with me, I guess. I don't know. The so. bear is here, and she is listening. So, you, yeah, you got IG-88, which obviously you would get IG because your favorite and everything. And then Dingar just came next, so I got Fosk. I wanted Fosk. Mm-hmm. So, I got Fosk, and then Zuckus and Forlorn, it just makes sense. And I'm really happy with that. Um, so, the whole thing about just making these characters make sense and being like, is there something more? There's nothing more with Fosk. He's a space lizard that goes, and wants to kill. <laughs> like, I love the trade-off of, yeah, IG-88 wants to kill. Dingar, kind of moralistic, but he'll do what he's got to do. Uh, Bosk definitely wants to kill. And then Forlum and Zuckus, you'll have to wait and see. But anyway. Bosk stood on an inner deck of the Imperial Star Destroyer, the Executor, hurrying to read an Imperial data screen. Squinting, he swung aside his blast rifle, an elaborate neck sling suspended it under his left arm, and pushed his face closer to the screen. On-board lighting hurt his super-sensitive super eyes, and the screen was only marginally brighter than the corridors. He had trouble picking up the contrast. Another list appeared. Known antagonists. Big Bungie, former associate. Jabba the Hutt, former employer. Pavu, two-for-one, former associate. Bosk flexed his toe against the executor's deck. Chewbacca and Solo could, would be crazy to hide among their enemies, but Solo was notorious for hiding or trying crazy tricks. Lord Vader's personal aides had furnished volumes of data on all six hunt finalists. Somehow Bosk must discover the clue that would lead him to Chewbacca first. And Solo. He tightened his fingers, curling massive wedge-shaped claws into his palm. His hands were not nimble, but strong. But deep, with deep ridges, mature scales, he had hunted Wookiees for over 60 standard years. And when, the, when a blaster or grenade finally killed Bosk, his death would shower hundreds of Jagannoff points onto his bloodthirsty eternal scorekeeper that he worshipped so. Serene, behind pale, lidless eyes, the scorekeeper existed beyond time and space, numbering every deed of every Trandoshan hunter. She could zero out his life if she wanted and shame if he was shamed or captured, and she could double his profit if brought home a great prize. Ambushing Chewbacca was Bosk's sacred obligation. It goes further, but I'm going to stop there because I feel like you get the gist of the section yes. I picked. I picked is what gave Bosk his driving motivation and everything in that he's obsessed first with Chewbacca, which is unique amongst every other one of these characters. Yeah, everyone wants a piece of Han Solo. Yeah, well, I'll say IG-88 doesn't care. No. He's just a human. Um, Dingar has his motives. Um, Forlum and Zuckus have, eh, they're just doing a job. I'll explain later. But then, you know, Boba Fett and Bosk, um, are the only major players that have intentions. And Boba Fett's is obviously Han, uh, but Bosk's is mainly just Chewbacca. And it's literally just because of the hunt. And I love the lore building they do to make it make sense why they're obsessive with the hunt and everything like that. It's very, you know, predator, uh, lore in that honorable, well... At least predators are honorable, I'll say. Uh, Trandoshans are meant to be honorable, but they stray away from that quite a bit. It's um, it's all about getting the prize. Yeah. And the idea of this eternal scorekeeper is, is an interesting idea of religion for, for Bosk and them and everything. 
And so the the story really is just about Bosk attempting to close the bounty to get Chewbacca. And what's really funny and ironic about it is he enlists the help of a couple of others um, that have uh, intel not only on Han and Chewie, but promise more intel on uh, Wookiee slaves for him to hunt as his heart pleases. Turns out they used Box to be able to get in and break out Wookiee um, slaves and trapped Bosk and turned him in. Like, it was this whole thing of, like, his obsession turned into the thing that thwarted him. Hubris! And And I love it. Um, more so than that, even, I love what kind of happens uh, at the end for him. Um, obviously, he makes it out. Um, he does get away from this scenario, but I love the hopelessness that it seems and this idea that everything that he had in terms of his murderous, like, conniving, huntful intentions gets just completely turned on its head. Boss crouched on a prison cell bench. His claws twitched. He tried gouging strips into the wall, but they were coated with transparent steel. The stormtrooper outside snapped to attention. Imperial Governor Io Desend, a tall, plump marshmallow of a man who would not have dared challenge Bosk on equal footing, strode up and stopped outside the force-shielded opening. An even plumper woman stood beside him, she hung on his arm like a growth, batting false eyelashes full of decadent veins. Bosk half expected them to flutter away and join some swarm of winged insects. Oh, she exclaimed. You were right, Eo. He's enormous. <laughs> Bosk glowered. You ruined my chance for promotion, bounty hunter. Uh, that's not annoying enough. Desmond <laughs> said darkly. You ruined my chance. <laughs> any last requests? Promotion, Bosk shouted. What are you talking about? Those Wookiees were bait in a trap, Bounty Hunter. Instead of the Rebel Fleet, I caught one miserable lizard. And at least I can make good on a promise I made to Phoebe two years ago. He encircled the woman's shoulder with one arm. Her bloodthirsty smile chilled Bosk. It made him picture the scorekeeper wearing a human mask. I've always wanted... Oh, sorry, that's the woman. I've always wanted a lizard-skinned gown, she cooed. Full length, with only seamless will do. Or it's not authentic. Oh, yes, Eo. She tilted her head and pressed one fleshy cheek against his hand. This will be lovely. And so I love... That's obnoxious. Oh, yeah, very much so. Also, we could have used the filters. I guess so. Yeah. I, I kind of... Hopefully people thought that was funny. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's this idea. It ends off with him. Um, I mean, again, he's been duped by these people. He... Uh, entrusted to help him mm -hmm. uh, because he was obsessed with hunting Wookiees. Turns out he ended up helping Wookiees. It's hilarious. But then he's put in the place of creatures he's um, treated like that many, many, uh, as he says, 60 years. I mean, his whole intention with Chewie was to skin him, mm -hmm. to get the pelt, like it hunt. Uh, and here he is as a, you know, being looked at like a, a piece of meat, a, a piece of the hunt and everything like that. Yeah. Um, it's just that comeuppance. We watched a movie recently where that, like, I, I just, I gushed over that because I love that storytelling. I love when bad people get their comeuppance like that. Um, obviously, I believe in grace and forgiveness and all of that stuff, but um, I love stories where absolute evil gets treated absolutely evil. Mm -hmm. I know that's all wrong and everything like that, but I can appreciate it in fiction. I think we yeah. all can. I also love when a character gets their comeuppance while trying to screw over someone else. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's even more just amazing when that happens. Oh, yes. 
Um, so, yeah, again, I picked the long one. You so. did. You um, did. But uh, you might be tempted to skip over what seemed like the two most boring characters of the Bounty Bunch, but I would I would dare say you'd be missing out on a the wonder, wonderful um, story if you skipped out on Forlum and Zuckus. Yeah, for the um, audio listeners, I just showed everybody my neat shirt, which yeah, is the Bounty Bunch. The Bounty Bunch, yep. Uh, get yours on Tee Public today. Um, yeah, so uh, you've got Bughead C-3PO knockoff. You've got Bughead, you know, Bug. Um, what the heck kind of characters could these possibly be? How could they possibly be, number one, bounty hunters, number two, a threat, number three, interesting? Yeah, because Zuckus is kind of chunky. Oh, yeah. He's very chunky. Um, now, what what's interesting... Uh, Bosk's story doesn't really do anything to, like, hey, why does he do that? Why does that happen? Like, it really just shows you, like, that scene. He is lizard. Yeah, so that scene, you literally see the scene in the beginning in the movie, like, when he's kind of leering over the uh, Imperials when they're like, no, bounty hunters, we don't need their kind. Like, and he goes, that's, that's that. That's what's happening while all of that's going on, is he's thinking about how he can get this score, how he can finally get Chewbacca. Um, this one goes back to the sort of dingar of how can we make them interesting how can we make this make sense what the heck's going on here i don't even know if originally forlum and zuckus were meant to be partners or if they were just meant to be independent characters but obviously you got two bughead characters you're like nah they kind of go together yeah yeah um so let's let's see a little bit of their story um i might stop somewhere i don't know yeah what is their story called uh Oh, um, it's called Of Possible Futures, The Tale of Zuckus and Forlum. Um, let me go to, so Bosk's was the tale, uh, the prize pelt, the tale of Bosk. So, um, sorry, I forgot to read that off. Um, so I actually have three for them, I believe. They're just that interesting. Um, well, because the first two, the beginning and end ones I picked are very Forlum. I wanted to get some of Zuckus in there. Um, as well, because they're both very, 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 very interesting characters, actually. Does Darth Vader know? The droid Forlom asked Zuckus, the Gand bounty hunter partner. Forlom had asked the same question every 8.37 standard minutes from the start of Zuckus's meditation. In the two hours they would, in two hours they would dock with Darth Vader's flagship to accept an imperial contract, and they had to know if they were heading into a trap. Zuckus did not answer. Evidently, he had not yet received intuitive knowledge about Vader and the contract. Zuckus breathed through the respirator and held his breath in. Then he breathed out and held his breath out for a moment. Forlum noted that it was the 1057th breath of his meditation. The Gan did not need to breathe often, but deep thinking seemed to require it for res- require regular respiration. He had observed that Zuckus usually received intuitive knowledge between the 1,323rd breath and the 4,369th. Once it had come on to the 53rd, 8.37 minutes into the meditation, before Lum calculated that this is a statistical anomaly. Still, unlike most GANs, Zuckus maintained a 91.33725% chance of being correct in whatever knowledge he gained through meditation. Knowledge about where their acquisition would hide, the exact number in a group, the intentions of others towards them. They needed to know now Darth Vader's intentions towards them. If Vader had somehow learned that it was Forlum and Zuckus that had hunted a sector governor Nardox for the rebellion, Vader would want revenge. 
The rebellion had tried Nardux for crimes against the sentience, and the trial had been a great embarrassment for the Empire. The rebels, for the part, paid a princely sum for Nardux, and that was what Forlum and Zuckus needed more of. Credits. To buy medical care for Zuckus. Illegal medical care. Zuckus was not an old Gan, but he moved like one. If he went off on the, off the drugs that controlled his pain, and during his respiration cycle, he breathed like one. Short, fitful breaths that drew air into lungs and asphyxial tissue burned by contact with oxygen after a female human acquisition, stupidly struggling after Zuckus had hunted her into a dark alley with no exit, pulled off his helmet. For Lummet secured the acquisition with no problem, and then tried to help Zuckus, but his, put his helmet back on, but before they could, Zuckus had taken three breaths of poisonous oxygen. This was the cause for this significant embarrassment to Zuckus, because he had retained sufficient presence of mind. He could have ceased his respiration until more convenient. Parts of his lungs had burned away that day, and what was left was functionally poor. Zuckus needed new lungs, new lungs that could be grown only in illegal and expensive cloning vats. So the Empire's credits tempted Forlum and Zuckus with hope of new lungs. Another 8.37 minutes passed. Does Darth Vader know? Forlum asked. Again, Zuckus did not answer. So, sorry, that was long, but... I enjoyed it, though. Um, clearly, you get the methodical, technical, droid mind of Forlum on full display. He's, he's paying attention to every little detail. He, he's analyzed uh, Zuckus thoroughly. Um, and then you get the hint. And we've talked about Zuckus and Gand before because they're actually Force-sensitive. In Legends, they are legitimately Force-sensitive, um, most of them at least, the, the sort of hunter-finders of them. And that's why they're hunter-finders, is because they're Force-sensitive. The others just kind of benefit from the, the gift. Um, and Zuckus is, a, you know, esteemed uh, as one of the best. Um, and it, but it only comes through, like, strenuous meditation like that. And again, you see how, like, Forlum has calculated... It's like, okay, by now he's kind of got an idea. This many breaths, okay, he should have something by now. Like, he's thinking all of this through. And the reason why, what I love about it, is because, for whatever reason, Forlum is interested in gaining intuitive knowledge. He, mm -hmm. he wants to do what Zuckus can do. Like, he doesn't want to calculate. He doesn't want to think. He doesn't want to process he wants to just know. He just, like, yeah. it, it's something he can't do and he wants to. It's one of those things, like, I love characters in sci-fi, like Data, who see what humans do, understand that it is a level above what AI can do, mm -hmm. and want to achieve something like that. I mean, like, the first um, scene we get of Data is him trying to learn how to whistle. Right. Like, and it's, and it's that's essentially what's going on here. Now, Forlum is still a droid, and some of the action he takes throughout the story is very droid-like. It's very, this is the most efficient, this is the best, this, like, why, well, why is he, why are they bounty hunters? Well, they're, they're bounty hunters just because, for the most part, but now they're bounty hunters because of a reason. Zuckus needs medical care. Um, it's, like, I, I love that not everybody's given this story, but it's that old school stereotypical story of, you know, bounty hunter with a heart of gold kind of thing. Yeah, I need to go get the pills for my pet pet. Right. Um, but I love how they build it in. They're not necessarily, I wouldn't go so far as to say from the get-go they've always been and are good guys, but 
kind of like with Dengar in the terms of, you know what, I don't know why anybody deserves to die, but I want to ask him why he thought I deserve to die. Like, they have that perspective of, look, we're, we're out to take care of us, so, you know, Zuckus is very much that. I, we're out to take care of us, uh, and that's kind of it. And Forlum's very much, I'm out to take care of me, and I think to do that, I need to learn what he can do. And it's just really interesting, the kind of relationship that they have and everything. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the next one is uh, all Zuckus, because the first one, all Forlum. Uh, a lot of the story is actually Forlum, and if you can't tell, it's because Zuckus is just not healthy, yeah. which explains why. Well, it's really because the actress in there could not see. Like, she was just told to put on a costume and show up. She wasn't meant to be able to do much, and she couldn't do much. Yeah, he's got space asthma. Right, so they wanted to explain, like, well, maybe what if the, the droid takes care of the other one? Well, but why? And it's just like, well, he's wearing a mask. Maybe that's got something to do with it. Um, and that's why their ship's called the Mist Hunter. It's filled with mist that he can breathe from his home world. Which just makes me want to see it, honestly. Just, like, I would love to see... I love alien environments. I love... Oh, yeah. Um, seeing stuff like that, because of course he can't breathe oxygen. Mm -hmm. He's not from Earth. He's not from these, you know, nitrogen-rich planets. Right. Um, So, uh, for a perspective on Zuckus, and we're almost done, I promise. Hopefully people are still here. I'm still here. Zuckus meditated at times on who would eventually kill him. He knew it was a question of who would kill him, not what. The mist surrounding his own mortality remained mostly unreadable. Though in his meditations he had had hints, and none involved an accident or mechanical failure or even injuries to his lungs that had brought him such pain. Another being would bring him his death. Zuckus had ruled out Forlum. His long-standing partner did not want to kill him and would not when they had separated. But twice Zuckus had sensed that Jabba the Hutt would grow impatient with his weakness if he discovered it and attempt to feed him to his rancor. That was a future he preferred to avoid. He sensed that he would not be killed in the mists of his homeworld, however much he missed it, and would have loved to die there. He would die somewhere else. He wondered for a time if Darth Vader would kill him, but he knew he had nothing to fear from Vader, at least for now. When he could, Zuckus stood up and he injected himself with stimulants, then other drugs to boost the quickness of his mind and counteract the dulling effects of the painkiller. He heard the first mechanical sounds of docking, and the ship jerked about. He hurried to pull on his suit that protected him from oxygen and double-checked its seals. He could afford no more burns. He pulled on old robes and then hid knives in his boots, ammonia bombs, lethal to oxygen breathers, up his sleeves. He strapped a fully charged blaster to his side in full view, and then he started for the hatch. He heard Forlum already walking toward it. Zuckus walked easier now. He breathed without pain. His strides soon carried him all the way, seeming confident in strength, with strength he had never had before. And for a moment, he almost forgot the weakness he worked so hard to conceal. He realized then, walking toward the hatch and meet, to meet a Darth Vader, that he worked hard to hide his injuries and other implications from one other person. He realized that he, when he could, hid them from himself. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's very much that old gruff, like, struggle bus of a character and everything that makes you really, like, 
man, I really hope he goes gets what he needs, but like the right way kind yeah. of thing. Um, I too meditate on who will someday kill me. <laughs> right. Well, it's interesting, like in terms of like if you had the power, you knew you could foresee much. Like, you know, taking the opportunity yeah. to do like it's a completely understandable thing. Would you want to know? That's the hard thing. I mean, almost so that in the time you had a piece, like. I, I knew it was coming. It's yeah. it's okay. Well, it's it's one of those things. Like I think of Big Fish. I think of the witch that when you looked into her eye, you could see how you died. Right. I love. Well, I love that when the main character does that, because the main character is arguably the dad. Yeah. When he does that, I love them. He just goes, "Oh, huh." Yeah, I. I love it. I love that the mean guy dies on the toilet. Right. Um, you know, it's very much you see what you see like yeah. like you see what you see kind of and that that's the insinuation of the the, mm-hmm. the um of the story is that in the end he didn't know that's why he needed yeah. someone to tell him the story it's I, like but yeah. dad you 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 looked into the witch's eye you saw how it happened yeah but but tell me how it happened yeah i'd love to pretend that he saw himself surrounded by family i'm i'm pretty sure I, i'm pretty sure i i think he saw what he strived to to leave, which is a story, a, a big fish story. That movie, even thinking about it, sometimes makes Oof. me cry. Like, yeah, it's, it's emotional. Just, we're gonna talk about it if we can, like, just stock up on enough tissues. <laughs> right. Um, so um, I'm gonna skip some of the last little bit of the last one, um, just because a lot of it can. Um, I can surmise yeah. and get to uh, the gist of what I want to show. Yeah, you can really tell who skimmed for time and who prepared. Well, no, no, it's more so, it's just, I like to let the book do a lot of the telling, but at the same time, I like to talk about it, <laughs> so it's tough. But, um, yeah, essentially, in their effort to get to Han, they're like, well, so Zuck is foresees, well, he's going to reunite with the rebels. That's where we'll find him. So they're like, well, let's not go where everybody else is going. Let's find that rendezvous. So they hijack some rebels to do that. Um, rebels that survived Ha. Um, and what becomes a matter of, hey, like they're the they're the nice kidnappers kind of scenario of like, hey, don't resist. It's going to be okay. We just need you to get to here because we need this money. And then essentially what happens is the rebels are like, dude, we could do that. Mm-hmm. And... They're like, you know what? Okay. That's fine. Like, they take up the offer. They're like, because Zuckus the whole time, he's like, once we get Han and his friends and deliver them to the Empire, we're going to allow them every honor they deserve in their defeat. Like, they're like, we're not going to, like, they have no ill intentions. Yeah. They just, he, he just wants to be able to breathe and live. And he knows that that's not how he dies. So clearly it has, it has to happen. But he foresees it in this, we'll get the bounty. I don't die by that. So we'll get the bounty. When in reality, it's, we don't get the bounty, but I don't die by that either. Like, there's there's another way. Yeah. And so they join the rebellion, actually. And it's just a really cool little turn on the head kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I love, love a redemption arc. Yeah. Um, and so, really, it just brings them to uh, to the light. And there's also, in intercut, there's moments, um, poor Lum is practicing meditation. He's trying to meditate and everything. And that's the story I wanted to end out on. It also often amused poor Lum to calculate the Imperial shock when they realized that not only had he and Zuckus defected to the rebellion, but they had managed to take 90 rebels and two medical droids 
from the downed transport with them. That the Imperials would be furious was an understatement. And often, as he worked alone on his ship, he practiced meditation. He, com he completed more and more of his equation. In one meditation, he thought he glimpsed the future, the futures that lay ahead of him. One above the others intrigued him. In it, he saw himself sitting with the young Jedi Knights in a newly established academy, and he could not tell if he had learned the ways of the Force or if he were still attempting to learn them. It was for a brief glimpse only, and just one of many possible futures. When Forlum told Zuckus what he had seen, Zuckus never doubted him. Ah, <laughs> I love so it. Cute. It's like you have to have one really good, like, aw story. Yeah. And I mean, technically, Dengar kind of gets there with the whole. He does. But he gets married. I mean, he kind of softens up in Boba Fett's just kind of like, all right, this is your solid, bro. This is it. <laughs> I wore a, a corsage for you. Um, but yeah, I, I really love it, and I love the opposite of IG-88 in terms of the, the sentience that he, he, he strives for, and did he see a vision? Did he not? Was it, like, just calculations? Don't yeah. know, but I love that Zuckus was just like, sure, yeah, yeah buddy, sure. I love it. It's, they're adorable. Um, and just a good friendship. Oh, yeah. It's just it's, such a sweet That's what I'm friendship. saying, like, if, if you go after bounty hunters just for the, oh, gruesome, gruff, and, you know, just... Like, you're missing out on yeah. good stuff. Here's the thing. If there's a bounty hunter for everybody, honestly, I think we can say that at this point. Like, sure. there's, for every Aura Singh, there's a Four Laman Zuckus. Mm -hmm. There's uh, IG-88 for every fan of Boba Fett, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, you can go for Cad Bane if you like cowboys. Well, yeah. I mean, but I'm sure even he has a kind of story that, yeah. I mean, you don't have to end out with making them likable to be likable. Like, no. he, like Bosk is no more likable for being cuddly. Like, it turns out, oh, no, he wanted to pet Chewbacca. No, he wanted to kill that dude. <laughs> but it it gives enough semblance of a, an interest, a like. Like, yeah. ooh, like, this is, this is religion for him. This is interesting. Like, that's... That's something more. Like, he, he feels less than as a Trandoshan if he doesn't complete this. It's interesting. Also, he's a whistleblower because his dad runs the guild, but also he breaks the guild rules. Like, it's just like, Boss gets more interesting by being a snake, being a... a like, like that's, the, that's the irony. That's the metaphor. I just took a sip. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, he's, like, literally, like, what if he's literally, like, a metaphorical snake? It's just, like, he's constantly betraying and all this stuff. Like, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, So, uh, going to go ahead and say uh, thanks for listening and um, hope you enjoyed this in some way. Yeah, um, I had fun. It's different. We have more books like this. We would be interested yeah. and like to maybe do this more. Yeah, here's the thing is that that's a series. There's yeah. Tales from the Bounty Hunter, there's Tales from Java's Palace, mm -hmm. there's Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina, there's Tales from the Empire, there's Tales from the Rebellion. There's, there's so many in that series. There's also um, a couple of canon ones. Mm -hmm. um, there is uh, everybody's favorite from a certain point of view, um, which it's getting a sequel coming up. Maybe we'll do uh, one for that, maybe. Maybe. Um, there's one for Maz's Castle. Um, it was supposed to be in a series, but they never followed it up, and I'm so disappointed because we find out about a surviving clone trooper and all this other stuff. Yeah, dude, it's interesting. And so, I need to read that one. Um, if this is likable, if this didn't make your ears bleed, we might do it again. Um, so let us know. We'd love to hear um, some feedback. We always love it. Otherwise, we'll probably just do it. <laughs> probably. Um, 
Thank you to our patrons, Jim, Doug, Rebecca. Thank you for supporting the show and doing what you do. You can check out, uh, we have a link tree now. We're not going to bombard the descriptions with several links. You can go to one link for all the links, and you can check out our Patreon page. Again, we let people know up front, you're not going to get millions of dollars worth of stuff and like all this awesomeness. We're tiny, and you know we're just a for-fun podcast. And so um, patrons there, if you like it and want to support us, um, we definitely have a cool little community. Jim, Doug, and Rebecca give input all the time, and clearly it goes towards uh, improving the show and everything. So if, if you like us enough to want to support us, you can do that. If not, that's totally cool. We appreciate you putting up with the ads. We appreciate you liking and sharing. That does a lot for us. We appreciate you just listening. That like That's awesome. That's always awesome when there's more than zero listens on an episode. So thank you guys so much. Red 5 Network, um, they're in the link tree as well. Check them out. Uh, GameInfinite.net, they're in the link tree. Check them out. All kinds of other podcasts, game content, all kinds of awesome stuff going on with those people. Um, also, they're just cool, so support them if you can. Yeah. Um, and all that stuff. Um, we've got exciting stuff the rest of the week and everything, but I wanted to end off just reading an excerpt and letting that be the close of the episode. Uh, we didn't talk much about Boba Fett, so I wanted to at least give him his due and let him be what we go out on, because it's what the book goes out on. And I think it's a darn good ending. Alrighty, go ahead. Han ran toward his speeder under the dim light of the planet's only moon. He was slightly disoriented. He couldn't remember whether he was down lot where he left the speeder, or was south or west, or south and east. He ran south down one of the long alleyways between the water houses, breath coming short he came up to the last building, the last cover before the downlot, and hesitated before rounding the corner. The downlot was either immediately to his left or immediately to his right. He tried to envision the layout of the warehouse park in his mind. He thought he'd come quick way around, but maybe not. And if he hadn't, then Fett might have catched up to him downlot before. A scraping sound, metal on stone, before he even realized what he was doing, Han found himself rounding the corner, rifle up and finger tightening on the trigger as Boba Fett was turning toward him, bringing up his own rifle. They stood there, in the middle of nowhere, on a planet the rest of the galaxy had no more than half forgotten, pointing rifles at one another, from a distance less than a meter. Han didn't fire. Fett didn't fire. Bizarre details piled in on Han, the armature of Hart Fett's assault rifle was huge, big as this Death Star had seemed at first sight. The barrel wasn't perfectly steady. It wavered slightly, moving around almost invisible tiny circles. The moonlight glinted off of Fett's scarred armor. Han could see the moon reflected darkly on his black visor. He was still out of breath from running. His voice caught when he spoke. I guess we're going to die together. Fett's voice, harsh and raw as ever. Evidently. Hans stared over the side at him. Your armor didn't save you. Your armor won't save you. Not at this range. No. I doubt you could kill me quick enough to keep from firing. Fett's helmet moved slightly. A nod. I doubt it too. Han did not dare take his eye away from the rifle sight, aiming at the base of Fett's throat. You killed those people back there. The woman... Han could have sworn he saw a shiver run up the bounty hunter's frame. I'm sorry about that. They, she, was not the target. Han almost pulled the trigger on him. He could hear the rage in his own voice. You're gonna die! 
and I'm going to die. And maybe we're both going to deserve it. But that woman, she didn't do any. She's the one who called me. Han took a step forward and screamed. I don't care. He found in his amazement that he was standing with the barrel of the rifle jammed up against Fett's armor, that the barrel of Fett's rifle was digging into his own breastbone. I don't know what made you like you are. You think you get to decide who lives and who dies? I don't care. Come on, pull the trigger, and we'll die together. He stared into the black visor. Last decision you'll ever make. Boba Fett said in a voice so soft Han could have sworn it wasn't even Boba Fett's. You first. His voice got even softer amazingly. You're married, aren't you? You have children. They need you. What were you doing out here, Solo? Pretending to be young again? This is no place for a man like you. The fury that touched Han was bone deep. Don't you talk about my family. I'll kill you so fast. Do you want to die? Han took a deep breath. Do you? Fett shook his head in the tiniest possible movement of the visor. No. But I don't see any way out. The faintest breath of hope touched Han. All right. You put down your rifle. I won't kill you if you put down your rifle. Fett whispered, No. You put down yours. I won't kill you if you put down your rifle. I'll let you go back to your family, unharmed. Just put down your weapon. I don't trust you, nor I you. A cold wind blew across the down lot. Han felt it drying his sweat, chilling him. We take five steps back, he said. You drop your rifle, and you run like a gun dark on fire. Even if I do shoot you, that armor will protect you. I have bad legs. I don't think I can outrun you. Han could not stop thinking of his children and Leia. Just walk away. Put the rifle down and walk away. I'm an honest man. I won't kill you. You're a liar, said Fett. By all evidence, I think you would, he paused. When I was a young man, he said, I think I could have pulled the trigger by now. But I find that I do not hate you, and I am not ready to die, to be removed from this world. I made a mistake coming here. I do hate you. I hate everything that you've done, but my wife and children need me. I don't see any way out of this, said Fett. That does not involve trying to trust one another. The rifle's getting heavy, said Han, which it was. He watched Fett over the sight. What are we going to do? Everyone dies, said Fett. Yeah, eventually, but it doesn't have to be today. Not for either of us. Fett shook his head, helmet barely moving, and Han didn't imagine that Fett's attention even shifted slightly. I don't know, Fett said softly. Trust is hard among enemies. Perhaps we should return to the battle. Perhaps, Han Solo, we should let fly, and once more let fate decide who wins, who survives like we did when we were young. And that's the end. And that's the end. It's such a cowboy ending, isn't it? It is. It's amazing. And also, he got bad legs. Yeah, well, this is years. This is way, way, way after. This is like 20 years after mm -hmm. the main movies and everything. And we, I referenced this in the yeah. last one where they kind of meet up later. And it ends there. It, le it ends ambiguous as to what happens. Because who, nobody wants to write the end of two great characters like that. But what's interesting about Boba's story, um, I'll say, is that it starts off from their first meeting 
and supposedly to their last meeting. And it's just really interesting to kind of follow that journey. And I mean, the ending of it all is, it, it's about this idea, can, can an old dog learn new tricks? The, the whole thing is throughout the story, it emphasizes their age. Like mm-hmm. there, it's just like it, every, every movement they make, it hints at how hard it is. Every decision they make, it's just like, oh, I wouldn't have done that if I was younger. Like it's going on to show they've been doing this for so long. Do they even really know why they do it anymore? Yeah. Do they even really have a good reason? Don't know. Can they change? Don't know. Don't know. And, and it ends on that question mark because that's the best cowboy ending, question mark. You yeah. know, because we'd rather live in the high noon, you know, scene than the aftermath and everything like that. So yeah. pick up this book if you dare. Um, highly work, worth it. Recommend it um, and everything. Thanks for putting up with this episode. Um, yeah. More Bye. in the future.